coming in as Loom. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Happy Friday. We are underway this hour. It's September 22nd. It's day two of on-ice sessions here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And it's the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 in the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Wes Gilbertson, my name is Pat Steinberg. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome and the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Uh, Mr. Gilbertson, happy Friday to you. And uh, it's a special privilege. Uh, you get to be part of uh, the Eric Francis, the abbreviated Eric Francis Hour. The Eric Francis Hour, which... Um, is supposed to be an hour, but today is abbreviated. It's still um, an honor. It's still an it's absolute still an honor. honor. And you know what actually is an honor? Uh, to have Horse Racing Alberta on board uh, as part of Flamestock and the Eric Francis Hour. Because Eric Francis is brought to you by our good friends at Horse Racing Alberta. We know live thoroughbred racing is back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post time at 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Mr. Francis, welcome to the Eric Francis Abbreviated Hour. Wow, what an intro. How are you, boys? <laughs> Doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. Are we excited that we have uh, hockey back in Calgary again? Yeah, I think so. It's good to it's good to have ready-made storylines. It's good to, you know, be talking about things that that we haven't talked about 6 and 700 times since the end of last season. So it's uh it's good we have new fresh topics. News. Well, yeah. Yeah, the last 2 days we've had some pretty interesting developments. I obviously we're going to get into them, but I, you know, uh one I think is just really really sad and it just it's it, it bothered me just even when i was going to bed last night I was just thinking how sad it is and just how you know how much we're all pulling for oliver shillington and and the other one is uh, you know i think it's i think it's good news i think it's just so great that nikita zadorov is is taking a stance is willing to you know there are repercussions to everything we all say but uh, especially in this case this is something that he's not going to uh, – he hasn't taken lightly. He's put a lot of thought into it, and I just think it's fantastic. I, I think it's just so great. You know, I don't have a political bone in my body, but uh, I'm not really for war, I'll be honest. I really am not for killing innocent people. So I think it's great that he's standing up and saying that it's wrong because that's the right thing to say, no matter what the repercussions are. Well, let's start with uh, Nikita Zadorov and, and give you kind of the, the genesis of, of and we'll, we'll play a little bit of what Nikita had to say when he spoke to everybody earlier on Friday. So in the summertime, a uh, popular uh, Russian YouTuber flew to Miami to meet Nikita there, and they did a two about a two hour sit down, and it's very much where I've I've seen about uh, I've seen about forty five minutes of it now, and and we'll have it done by the end of the weekend. And so uh, Yuri's name uh, sits down with with Nikita for about two hours, and they discuss a lot of different things, including uh, the Russian and Ukrainian crisis and the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine, and so they they discuss that. 
And so that came out recently. And on Thursday, our colleague Randy Sportak over at the Hockey News, uh, he spoke to Nikita, and uh, a story came out in the Hockey News. And then today on Friday, uh, Nikita spoke again about it, spoke to us at large. Eric was there. Uh, I was there, and, 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 you know, he was very, very – he was – he – looked everybody in the eye he stood tall um and and was asked a, a lot of interesting and difficult questions about it um I, it was asked about repercussions you asked him about that eric i'll just play a, a little bit of nikita when he spoke to us earlier on friday about some of the reaction that he's gotten so far and a little bit more past two days i got a lot of dms a lot of messages from uh, russian people ukrainian people Belarusian, a lot of from czech republic now finland sweden all over the europe you know like people I've uh, been showing great support, I would say, in my Instagram, there's like 99.9% of the messages are positive. I know uh, Russia have a bot system, and it takes them two, three days to send some negative reviews, so I'm expecting them to come to my page, too. <laughs> Not to get How hard is it for an NHLer to, to speak up? I mean, you're, you're one of the okay. Russians to do it. How hard is it? No, I mean, when uh, Yuri... Um, called me in the summer in July I had a long discussion with my wife my agent uh, we kind of weighed all the pluses minuses and uh, I prepare myself definitely for an interview so but I feel like it's really important for me I mean I'm the guy if you probably would ask me last year I would say the same thing but nobody were really asking um, because you guys didn't want to put me in a bad situation but I'm okay to that I think it's important for me to speak personally. I think hopefully I can change something in this world. And especially, like, it just it just sucks what's going on over there right now. And then I think it's just important to be vocal. So that's just a little bit of it. You can watch, uh, you can you can hear it in a, and, and see it, read it in a lot of different spots. Eric, I know you wrote about it today at sportsnet.ca. That article's up right now. And, and yeah, you know, whether whether uh, you have a, a lot of political bones in your body or have none, I mean, the, the chutzpah to be able to speak publicly about something like this that ostracizes you in, in your homeland, which it, it absolutely does, uh, there's, there's a lot of courage in that. And, and what I thought was really interesting, and Wes and I were talking about this off the air a little earlier, Franchise, the fact that he talked to his wife about it, talked to his agent about it, um, and and you know very much had a uh, a pretty long and involved thought process before doing that initial interview in the summertime. He was he was prepared for all of this. He 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 knows exactly what the fallout could be, and and was still very much open and and willing to do this. Yeah, I mean. Wes and I had talked about that too, about how, you know, this wasn't a guy who just flew off the handle or said something that was out of emotion or, 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 you know, we've seen former or current athletes every once in a while try to wade into politics. And the reality is in a lot of cases, they don't really know what they're talking about. Um, and, and I'm not suggesting that everything that he's saying is completely accurate and aligned. I mean, that's a two hour interview and there's a lot that he gets into. And I've seen a bunch of it too, via the translator. Uh, Cause it's all done in Russian. And that's when he said, you know, he said he feels the most comfortable talking about these complex issues, uh, you know, in Russian, in his native tongue. But I, I think this is something that's calculated. Listen, this is a guy who likes to dress, dress very flashy. Um, he's a great interview. You, you know, whenever we get Nikita, 
Uh, you yep. know you're going to get something colorful from him. He's not scared. He does like the spotlight. Remember we saw when he first came over here, he kind of said some things about Nathan McKinnon, his former teammate, that McKinnon didn't take too kindly to. But it was just Nikita being Nikita. Um, you know, so, but this is this is the first Russian in the NHL to st- stand up and say what I dare say, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but the vast majority of people in North America uh, would agree with, which is this is this is wrong. This 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 invasion of Ukraine is wrong, and we don't need to delve into the merits of that. But we can talk about the fact that it does take courage to stand up, because I think it's pretty well documented that people in Russia speak up against Putin or the regime uh, at their own peril. Uh, and that can mean a lot of different things. And the first question, you know, I think a lot of us asked is, well, what is he worried about his family and the, the price they may have to pay? You know, he's he's over in the States and there's a chance that he may never return to Russia. That's a very real possibility, mm-hmm. especially in light of what he said. But he's got parents there. And I think it's really interesting that he says his, his parents, you know, they've bought into what Putin and the regime are selling. And he he disagrees with them vehemently on that. And that's something they've always disagreed with. And, um, you know, so I don't know if they're going to have to deal with any repercussions. But, you know, Wes brought up something uh, interesting when we were talking on the phone earlier, which was just if there ever is an Olympic Russian team or if Russia is ever allowed to play international hockey anytime soon, which I'm sure will happen at some point, um, you know, uh, this this could really hurt his chances of playing for that team. Never mind visa issues. Never mind threats from people that are supporting Russia, never mind the implied threats that he might have to deal with, never mind the vitriol he's certainly going to face at some point, whether it's through bots or or human beings on social media. Like, this is not something he took lightly, and I'm glad he feels like he's prepared for it. I hope he's prepared for what's to follow, because I think it's going to get a whole lot worse for him. I'd like, you know, the word I've heard you both use is courage, and and I think it's the I think it's the perfect word to sum up Nikita Zadorov taking a stand regardless of what some of the ramifications uh, or the hassles that come with that might be. You know, we, we use the term probably too often in sports. We talk about, you know, the courage it takes to block a shot or, or the courage it takes to, <laughs> you know, take a hit to make a play. Well, this this is courage from Nikita Zadorov and... You know, I'll, I'll just share an anecdote with you guys. I, I remember when the invasion of Ukraine happened, the Flames were on the road uh, in Vancouver. And I, I remember staying up really, really, really late into kind of the middle of the night in Vancouver. And I was just watching the invasion and the coverage unfold on TV. And I, I couldn't couldn't convince myself to go to sleep. I had a game to cover the next day, but I, I was just... You know the the weight and the significance of what was unfolding on TV was something that I I was just sort of I I just couldn't pull myself away from it and and I found myself today thinking like what would a night like that have been like for Nikita Zadorov yeah, yeah. and for him and not just the courage to speak publicly but he he alluded or or essentially said on that YouTube interview that. You know, this has really strained his relationship with with his family in Russia, with his parents who see things differently. And so I think courage is, is the perfect word. This is a, a guy who has never been shy to share his hockey opinions. But this 
Like, I have Eric's story up in front of me when, when Nikita Zadorov says today, you know, I want to do my part to, you know, yep. make the world a little bit better place. Man, good for him. Good for him. Yep. And, I, uh, and, uh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Patty, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I I just, that, I can't even put myself in those shoes, right? Like, I, I don't know if I would have the ability to do that. I mean, I, I get... I get cowed sometimes um, by by saying things on this radio. I, I don't know if I get cowed, but I, I sometimes you get anxiety and, and you worry about, geez, I don't want to deal with the text line after talking about, you know, whether it was the new <laughs> arena or the election yeah. or it could you know, be a just, line combination. It could be anything, right? It, and it like you get you get like you get the cold sweats. You're like, I don't want to deal with some of the, the vitriol that's going to come in on the text line. And that's at like such a tiny level compared to what, what Nikita just did. So I, I don't know if I could do what he has done over the last 48 hours, what he did over the summer. I, I don't know if I, I would have the, again, there's the word again. I wouldn't have the courage to be able to do that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really think I would. And listen, I, I think the backdrop to all this is very important too, and, and so fascinating because I'm not sure the world knew, the hockey world knew a whole bunch about this. You know, this started in a way with Sergei Bobrovsky starting kind of a, a text string with all the Russian NHLers and kind of talking and saying, hey, we need to be united on this. Like, what's our stance? Which is very interesting that, you know, these players would, would kind of approach that. And, 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 and the stance was you could they, they debated one of two things. Is it, hey, listen, there's no place in sports for politics? Or is it, hey, we need to come out with an anti-war sentiment? And Zadorov said that it kind of went off the rails and, and it, it was completely divided. And uh, I think we all know where Ovechkin stands on all this, or at least uh, uh, I shouldn't say that. He's... <laughs> He's, he's not on Zadorov's side, but I'm not saying he's completely like saying, hey, let's continue bombing. I mean, he's tried to kind of step in the middle of this, which is not really easy or possible in something this uh, this combustive. Anyway, I, I will say that I, I liked what he said was it kind of deteriorated into a pro-propaganda side and a pro-sane side, <laughs> which, uh, you know, says a lot about where he is. But, you know, we've all seen the Avatar of uh, Ovechkin on his Twitter feed. It's him and Putin. He's not taking that down uh, despite the war. Um, you know, and, and, and it, he says he, he, he respects uh, Ovechkin and his political beliefs, sure, but he respects him as a superstar in hockey, but not he doesn't, he doesn't agree with his politics. So he can leave it there, but it is interesting to see that there is a divide. And, and his big message today was, if I speak out, then maybe some of the younger people, and I think he was referring to NHLers, but it could be younger people in general from Russia, say, if I speak out, maybe it gives other people the courage to stand up and speak out as well, and maybe we can all uh, help move the needle the other way. Mm-hmm. And we saw, I, I just want to circle back to this because I, I think it's important when we, you know, when we praise Nikita Zadorov for being willing to, to take a stand, even if it might not be the popular opinion or it might not... Um, it might not jive with what the regime in, in his home country is pushing for. You know, I, I think back to the night last season that the Calgary Flames wore pride jerseys. There had been some Russian players who had refused around the NHL to wear pride jerseys on those specific nights in, in their market. And, and that was something that, 
Nikita Zadorov was was very, you know, he wanted to say, no, 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 I'm I'm wearing one. This this is important to me, and and yep. you know, he he made a stand that night too, and and I think it's equally important today to to raise that as well. Yep, I think that's it's, a great uh, point. Yeah, really good point. Uh, was and and was um, absolutely one of the uh, one of the guys who was very adamant about about wearing those that night for sure. Um, again, you can uh, read Eric's column. It's up right now at Sportsnet.ca if you want to check that out um, and and read some of the other quotes from Nikita Zadorov on on that very very heavy subject. It's uh, Francis Fridays, Eric Francis, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, and you know in in a similarly heavy vein the the fact that we haven't seen Oliver Shillington on the ice in two games and the fact that we know that Oliver has has had some real demons and and real struggles and a real mental health fight on his hands over the last over the last year and a bit and then to get the news Thursday morning as the Flames are going on the ice for their first training camp session I think it kicked a lot of us in the gut because I know that Eric Wes me all three of us were really rooting for him and and excited to see him back and I know a lot of Flames fans were really excited to see him back with the team so it it was uh, again just uh, uh that was that was a tough press release to read on Thursday morning it sure was and uh especially because you know it would be one thing if all summer long we'd heard that you know, we still didn't know of his status and no one knew if he was coming to town or, but, you know, I, I saw him at the dome on Tuesday and he was there doing photo shoots and doing the video uh, shoots that they do before the season for all the various media outlets. And he was in there doing social media questions and answers. And, and uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I know I talked to several players who had talked to him were saying it was so great to see him and get caught up with him. And you just you, you hope that the stage was set for him to just make that. You knew that first day was going to be tough. Um, whether it's and I don't know what's worse, having to face the media. Not like we're going to ask hard questions. I mean, we're we're all rooting for the guy too. These these are much mm-hmm. bigger issues than any game we'll ever cover. Uh, and and I think everybody's on board. We're just trying to help any human being who's going through mental struggles. And so I don't think he should have been nervous about that. But I get if he I get it if he would. But I also understand that, you know, there's anxiety with him just wondering how he's going to be received by, by his fellow teammates. And, uh, you know, I, I guarantee in that room there's, there's just nothing but love and support for him. Uh, but I think that when you're in a fragile mental state, you wonder, geez, are, are these guys just questioning, you know, whether I let them down last year by not being here? There's, there's just so many questions that I'm sure have gone through his head. And clearly at the last minute um, – it, it just didn't work out for him to come and make that final step. And that's just so sad that he got so close. Now, I don't know what this means, guys. And, and anyone's guess is as good as anyone else's. Is he back in a week? Is he back in two days? Do we ever see Oliver Shillington again? Uh, I don't know. These are all very valid questions. None of us can shed light on that other than to say that it's just, it's just so sad that, that, uh, that he got so close but but couldn't make that final step. I hope he does real soon. Man, I'd love to see his face real yeah. soon. Yeah. Everyone well was, said. was hoping to see him on the ice today, right? And and we'll be hoping for the same tomorrow. Not not just because of what it would mean for the Calgary Flames to have Oliver Shillington on the ice, but 
you know, it's not about that at all. It's just what it would mean in, in Oliver Shillington's life, what it would signify if he was able to join yeah. his teammates, you know, sooner than later, tomorrow, the next day. Whatever that looks like, everyone's certainly pulling for Oliver Shillington. Yeah, and it's uh, and 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 I really I really do hope that we're talking about him being ready because it's as you know I remember when we were talking about Carey Price and and when he might be ready to return and and different players who have have stepped away for different reasons. I mean, when when Oliver's back on the ice, that'll be the right time, and and when he's ready, that's the right time for him. But you just you. you I just know how much people were rooting for the guy and how many people were excited because, Eric, you talk about um, Tuesdays, as, as, as you like to call it, as we like to call it, the car wash where they do all these different rooms and different media obligations and different trying this on, trying that on, posing here, posing there. And, and the, the Flames put out kind of a hype video on Tuesday, and Oliver was in it. And I just saw the reaction from the Flames accounts on Twitter and Flames fans on Twitter. It's like, there's Oliver. There he is. He's there. He's taking part in it. And the excitement was there. And that excitement was not just because we know what he can mean to this team. Wes, as you said, on the ice, yeah, having him back would give them a really deep blue line and three great pairings. Absolutely no doubt about it. But the excitement because so many Flames fans knew that it was a, a real, real uh, struggle for him over the last year and, and how many things he had been dealing with. And then that article came out over the summer in Swedish and, and uh, you, you just knew that it had been a, a real battle for him. And so you have this you have this groundswell of support, just wanted to see him get through that. So that that's nobody's – I don't think anybody is, is disappointed really because, well, I just wanted to see him play with Tanev again. It's just it's, – it's, not disappointed is the wrong word. You just—it's a kick to the gut because you just—you want to see—you want to see him back doing what he loves to do and back feeling like he can do what he wants to do, right? Like that's—that's that's what it comes down to for all of us. We just want to see the guy being able and in a mental spot to be able to do it again. Yeah, and you know, in both these cases, like I kind of let off the show with, like. In both these cases, these guys are dealing with real-life issues. Like, this goes so far beyond hockey, and we all understand that. But I think the love and support that these guys are, uh, whether they're feeling it or not, you know, they've, they've got to be aware of it, that I think that they're getting for for what they're both going through. And, and they're, yeah, they're radically different situations. But like I said, they're both real life. And I just think that people in our city are just so – so pulling for Oliver Shillington, uh, for the man, uh, the defenseman, sure as well. But but the man, and and, and same with Zadorov. I I just think you know again in North America, there's no spinning here. This isn't all about politics. This is about life and death and innocent people dying. And this guy's trying to stand up against that. And this both legends grow in in a way. Really, the, the fan support for both those guys is just, you know, going to be, you know, tenfold as to what it was, you know, days earlier. So uh, it's just, it's so fascinating. We go into camp and we think the storylines are going to be about, you know, Huberto or or Markstrom or whatever, but we've been hit with two completely different things out of left field. And and it's, they're both uh, interesting, sad, intriguing, uh, real life developments. And uh, it's interesting to talk about. And uh, we both can't wait, all of us, can't wait to see how each one of them unfolds, hopefully for the positive. 
Well, and and to uh, wrap up on on a hockey note, um, just what what have your observations been? Anything that's jumped out at you through two days of of training camp, Francis? It's tough. You know, the, the mood is light. Everybody's excited. You know, we all want to think it's because they made the coaching change and the room isn't heavy anymore like it used to be, and all these other things. But but that's just the hope that springs eternally every fall in every market around the national hockey league, right? Everybody's excited. Uh, everybody's ready to go. It is, it is good to be back in the building. Um, there are lots of reasons to be optimistic. I think if you're a Flames fan and I'm not just trying to spin that, like I really, the more I look at it, the more I think they were so awful last year and yet they still came so close in so many games, but also to the playoffs and, and you've got almost an entire team back, which is highly motivated energized with new management and coaching. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that this team's a playoff team. We'll, we'll get into debating that as we get closer to uh, puck drop and, and after the preseason. But I, I, the more I look at this team, the more I look at its depth, the more I look at its experience, uh, I, I, the more optimistic I think people should be about this team. After a summer of people going, ah, I don't know. Even I said two weeks ago, give me a coin. Give me a coin to try and figure out if they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm now leaning much more towards them being a playoff team uh, than I was before, just just because I feel like guys have a renewed look on, on, on their careers. I just want to sort of piggyback on what you said, Eric, because, you know, there is a feeling that there's a you know less heaviness around the saddle dome. We talked about that even before we saw players on the ice for practice and Everyone wants to trace that back to, to Daryl Sutter and his demanding style, and, and certainly there's plenty of accuracy to that. But the expectations were heavy for this team last season too, and I think yeah. part of the sort of excitement that we see is the optimism. that They feel like people are, are sort of sleeping on them this year. That After being billed as a Stanley Cup contender last year and missing the playoffs, they feel like they're they're kind of flying under the radar, and I sense some excitement about that. We heard Mackenzie Weger talk about it yesterday. I, I don't care if we're on the radar or off the radar. I, yeah. you know, we believe in this group. We don't care if you guys believe in the group. We believe in this group, and I think that has really generated some optimism around the Saddle Dome as well. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a the, the heaviness. That's the word we kept using last year, wasn't it, boys? Heaviness. There's a heaviness in that room. Yep. And uh, it really does feel lifted for a lot of different reasons. But again, we're starting anew and everybody uh, enjoys a fresh, clean slate in life, yep. that's for sure. It's nice in the fall when the only heaviness is usually the sports reporters complaining about how their jackets don't fit. Oh, my God. Is, this, is anybody who's listening, was this a Alberta thing? Boy, it seems like all my suits shrunk this uh, summer. Is it, the, is it the dry air? How, does some, someone have some tips on that? Okay, this is not the Wes and Francis comedy hour setting one up for a punchline here. <laughs> I can't figure this out. My God. Uh, we will uh, we'll reconvene the Eric Francis hour full of for, for a uh, full hour next week, pal. Uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, franchise. Cheers, boys. Thanks for the chat. See, you, Eric. Uh, Eric Francis, Sportsnet West. Pat, there's uh, Eric Francis Fridays. Eric, as always, brought to you by the uh, kind people. Actually, I, I wouldn't mind the Wes and Eric. Uh, comedy hour to be perfectly honest with you i don't think anyone wants that no no i'd, I'd listen in 
Um, Eric Francis, and maybe the Eric and West Comedy Hour. Brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live Thoroughbred Racing is back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post time, 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. Hour rolls on from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome with Wes. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, hopefully you're having a wonderful Friday. And obviously one of the big questions of the offseason and one of the big questions of training camp. And until we figure out the answer to this question, one of the uh, big questions, period, is going to be who's the next captain of the Calgary Flames? And that's still being figured out as it stands right now. Um, and it feels like Michael Backlund would be the easy decision if he was signed to a contract. It sure does feel like that, but as it stands right now, he's not signed to a contract, so there's still a decision to be made here. Yeah, and, and I think the big question now is whether as the sort of deadline approaches, we, we know the Calgary Flames have promised to name a captain by the season opener, not that they couldn't kick that downfield by a, a day or two if they have to. Yep. But, you know, it, it seems like we're getting closer and closer to, geez, would would Michael Backlund extend now to become the captain? Because, and I wrote about this a week or two weeks ago, we, we've heard a, a chorus of players say that Michael Backlund has been the de facto captain. We, you know, we heard that from Rasmus Anderson in the summer. We heard it from other players throughout last season that, you know, Michael Backlund was the guy they kind of looked at as their captain. Mm -hmm. And then we've heard from a couple of significant players during training camp or, or at the Flames Charity Golf Tournament that Michael Backlund should be the next captain of this team. And so now it seems like all that's missing is the contract extension. I don't know that we're that close that it's going to get done today or tomorrow or the next day, but it sure feels like there's momentum building that, hey, maybe the captaincy would convince Michael Backlund to stay in Calgary. Well, want to uh, play you this. You, uh, on Thursday, uh, stole a little, uh, little time with Jonathan Huberdeau and asked him about this and, you know, asked – because Huberdeau's a name that has been brought up for the captain's conversation as well by many. Uh, just wanted to play this about 60 seconds because Jonathan, funny enough, listened to where he goes in this uh, chat as well. We've talked about your name a lot as a, a captain candidate. What what does that mean to a guy? Ah, it means a lot. I think there's you know, a lot of guys that can be captain in this room. And uh, obviously you think about, you know, it's, 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 it's an honor, obviously, to be a captain. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we don't decide. I want to be a leader in this, in this, in this team. And, you know, last year was, it was hard, you know, for me to, to be a leader. So this year... I really want to be like the same guy I was in Florida. Kind of, you know, take this team to to another level with all these guys. But obviously, we all know back back should be the captain. But we'll see what's gonna happen. You think it should be Michael? Yeah, there's no. I, I think everybody should should say it should be Michael. But yeah, I mean, he's been here 14 years, like, so he deserves to be, and he's a guy that he's a leader. Like you, you can just tell. He, you know, gets everybody together and stuff like that. So, in my opinion, it should be him. But 
I mean, obviously do his, his contract stuff, but uh, hopefully he stays with us and stays the captain. So it sure does feel like if it was solely up to the players, number 11 would be the captain. It, it sure does feel like, you know, what Nikita Zadorov told us with, with no ambiguity last week. I mean, well, it's, it's Michael Backlund. Like, there's nobody else. Um, if, if the players had if, – if the players were the ones making this decision, it would be Michael Backlund wearing the C. I think that that's a pretty safe bet, is it not? Yeah, and I think in, in both the clip we just listened to from Jonathan Huberto and – in the case of you and I sitting here in the hot stove lounge with Nikita Zadorov last week, this was not a, hey, do you think Michael Backlund should be the captain? Both of these players went out of their way without being asked about Backlund yeah. specifically. In, in in the case of Huberto, he was asked about himself being <laughs> yeah, captain. You asked him about being the captain. And he said, obviously, Michael should be the captain. And so it sure does feel like in the locker room, that is the guy that they look to as their leader, and that is the guy that they would like to see with the C stitched on his jersey. It's funny, though. Well, it's not funny. It's interesting, though. It's not just the players who make this call, and Ryan Huska laid that out pretty clearly when he spoke to us on Thursday. He was asked about would they do a vote uh, and, and just have the players vote on the captain. He said no, and this is why. There's a lot that come into it, and, and that's why it's important that management is involved in it. Um, it's important that coaching staff's involved in it because at the, at the end of the day, we have to work with that guy or these guys on a daily basis. And it's also important that the players are involved in it. Uh, I mean, if you're putting someone in place that they want no part of, leading them along the way, then it doesn't make any sense. If we put someone that the players want and it doesn't work with us or the guys above, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why it's something that I think you, um, you work together on for sure. So Ryan Huska says it's not just going to be the players. Management, coaching staff have to have a say in this because of how difficult – not difficult, how, how important a position that is. And, and look, I, I, it, of all the players, especially the big three, Backlund, Lindholm, Hannafin, and, and you know, I, I've, I've, we've kind of been talking about this on this show for the last couple of weeks – the, the the there's definitely a change in this narrative. There's definitely a change, and I believe there's been a change in the way this is trending, going all the way back to late June when Michael Backlund went to the NHL Awards and won the King Clancy Memorial Trophy in Nashville. I I, I think that this has been trending in a you know this door is not closed it's not we're not going to just sign a contract right now but we're not closing this door and there's still very much an opportunity that this could um this could be figured out and as we sit here in training camp i i still am quite optimistic that at some point we get that again hey he signed an extension we're putting the c on him bam Kill, uh, kill, kill two birds with one stone. Here's our, uh, here's our announcement on both. Here's our news conference. Michael Backlund's beaming, and now we can talk about him passing Mark Giordano for number two on the all-time games played list and moving towards a thousand in a Flames jersey, so on and so forth. I, I still think that there's a good chance or a decent chance of that happening this fall and before the season starts because I, I really do believe, as, as I've said this week. I believe that he wants to be convinced to stay, 
And I think part of that could be the captaincy. And part of that is the upbeat vibe around this team. And so we'll, we'll see how this one plays out. But I'm still, of all of the big three, I'm most optimistic that Michael Backlund signs another deal and opts to stay with the team and dis- makes that decision in the somewhat near future. And I'll be echoing myself here, but I, I do think that this is important to reiterate it does have to be an extension for Michael Backlund if he is going to mm-hmm. get the captaincy. And for me, that's not just about making a commitment to the club, knowing that you're going to be here. But what we've heard from, excuse me, what we've heard from Michael Backlund is that if he leaves, it's because he's not sure that he can chase a championship in Calgary, that he's not convinced that this team can win. And so from an organizational standpoint, you simply can't risk putting the C on a guy's jersey and have him leave four months from now sending the message that he doesn't think that your team can be competitive anytime soon. That It's not just about not having to change captains again in four months. You can't have your official leader put in a position where he says, yeah, you know what? I don't think we can win here. But if Michael Backlund is willing to extend his contract, knowing what we keep hearing from his teammates behind the scenes, it's starting to feel more and more. Again, if he's willing to sign, jeez, mm-hmm. it starts like it's. It feels more and more like a no-brainer, doesn't it, Pat? Oh, I mean, it. It right now, it feels like it would even be difficult with. Even knowing the points you just made, it would even be difficult naming somebody else captain right now, even if he wasn't. Like, if they were to go in a different direction because he hasn't extended, it almost feels like, geez, is that that the right call? Because it has been so adamantly that it should be Backland from the players inside that room. And it's not like they don't get any say. They're not getting the final or only say, but they're definitely getting a say in this decision. So, yeah, it... It is beyond a no-brainer at this point. If he signs, you just hey, Craig Conroy just has the has the felt C right there as he passes the contract over to Michael Backlund. Hey, here's your son in this, and we'll just give this to you as well. Yeah, the, it is. It's truly a package deal. You take the contract and you take the captaincy. Okay, now listen to this. From Blake Coleman, who spoke with us for the first time in training camp. I believe they call this a hint. We've got some good candidates, I think. Uh, is this a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge from Blake Coleman? Just, just listen. There's a little right near the end. There's a, maybe a, a little bit of a hint. Let's, let's hear it. We've got some good candidates, I think. Uh, you know, it's not my decision, but uh, there's guys that I'd, a lot of guys in that room that I'd feel comfortable with uh, wearing the C. And at the end of the day, uh, like you said, it's going to be a group. It's going to be by committee. Um, you know, we there needs to be a support group to, to make him a great captain, and and, uh, and guys need to lean on each other. But you know, I think from my understanding, it'll be announced soon. Uh, everyone's uh, anticipation will, will be satisfied here, but uh, it's it's going to be the right choice. And I think, uh, like I said, ultimately we're a group, and and we need all the veterans uh, to step up and do their jobs. Say what? From what I understand, it's going to be announced here soon, and mm. uh, all the anticipation will be worth it. Is Did did, did Blake just uh, give us a little bit of a hint that maybe this is uh, moving in a direction where it 
could be named soon. Is it possible Blake Coleman was chatting with uh, his friend and frequent line mate about maybe his future plans? I mean, they've skated together for almost exclusively since Blake got here a couple, uh, just over a year ago and became a member of the Flames, I guess, just over two years ago. This would be season three for him as a member of the Flames. Eh, They've spent a lot of time together. They sure have. Now, one of the interesting things we heard yesterday from head coach Ryan Huska is that the Calgary Flames have already been having leadership meetings, and and that's been part of... Ryan Huska wanting a group, a, a committee to know, hey, no matter who winds up with letters on their chests, you guys are going to be important to driving the bus around here. And, you know, I, I tried to get Ryan Huska to tell us how many players were in those meetings. It uh, it was a swing and a miss, you could say, but it's, it's possible that Ryan Huska has told that group, hey, we're going to have this figured out soon, and maybe that's what Blake Coleman's telling us, but if your spidey senses were tingling when you heard that from Blake Coleman today, you are not alone. No, uh, I know that a uh, few other people who had their uh, recording devices in uh, and jammed around Blake's face were uh, thought the same thing. Uh, so maybe we are moving closer to it. And, I mean, look, they've said all along they want this to be done before the end of training camp. We're more than, you know, 10 years ago when they named the last captain of the team. It was on September 20th, and it's September 22nd now. So they've done this. They've done it around this time, the last time they named a captain, uh, when they named Mark Giordano in 2013. So... Maybe we get an announcement in uh, in the next week or so. Maybe it's after this first little batch of preseason games that they play, and then we get an announcement. I guess it feels like maybe we're moving close to it. That's all. I know we don't have a ton of time to explore this, but I, I'm going to put you on the spot really quick. Yes, you love doing that. With what we've heard, could they in the next week or two weeks name a captain that's not Michael Backlund? They certainly could. I just, I wonder about it. I wonder about whether or not that's the right call right now until you can be pretty confident that he's not going to sign. And I know that Elliot on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast has said they've been talking. Um, I just, yeah, I think with what I understand about his openness to staying and how he has really kind of softened on where he was on locker cleanout day over the last four or five months. I think you want to see if you can get a deal done and give that as much time before you make that call. So, yeah, I think you can, but I'll say this. If they were to if they were to name somebody else captain tomorrow, that would be an absolute stunner. I think that you, I, I think they want to give this a little bit more runway to see if they can put pen to paper on an extension and see if they can get Backlund to be the guy before they go in another direction. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And now I'm thinking about something I whispered to you while we were listening to one of those interviews that hadn't really hit me in the past, but maybe you could consider co-captains here in Calgary. It's an interesting, it's not like they'd be the first team to do co-captains. Wouldn't even be the first time the Flames did co-captains. In fact, as a fellow Flames historian, I believe the last time the Flames raised the Stanley Cup, 
They did not have one captain. Did they not have three captains that year? Three co-captains yeah. that year. So, just saying. I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe the current general manager was once in a co-captain scenario here at the Saddle Dome as well. That also sounds correct. So, something to think about. Maybe something we can get into another day because that'd be an interesting conversation too. We'll see how much longer this captain conversation uh, draws out for. Uh, for now, we start to wrap up this hour. Wes Gilbertson on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Got Taylor Dingman and Cam Hughes back downtown Calgary making sure everything comes together nicely. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour, and this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.